MIDI Innovation Vault, the role of human factors in user interface design for medical devices. In this release of MIDI's Innovation Vault podcast series, listen to MIDI's principal, Gregory Montalbano, discuss and explore his deep understanding of the importance, requirements, and methods of human factors engineering and usability research as related to the healthcare device development industry. Series Podcast 4, Recommended Principles and Practices of Human Factors Engineering, the deep dive into AAMI HE75 and methods for human factors usability research. We're talking with Gregory Montalbano. He is the co-owner of MIDI Medical Product Development. MIDI is an award-winning turnkey product development consulting firm with over 45 years experience servicing domestic and international clientele representing medical, life sciences, and home healthcare markets. Greg, thank you so much for joining us for the final series podcast today. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Craig, this, is, uh, this has been such an informative podcast series. And, and speaking for myself, I, I have to say I've learned quite a lot about usability research and human factors engineering as related to medical devices. I appreciate you saying that, Matt. Awesome, Greg. Thank you. So, Greg, let's, uh, let's get into the topic of today's podcast as related to HE75. Yes, Matt, let's do that. So, okay. So, as I have discussed in the past series podcast, that it's essential for the medical device designer to be well-versed in many regulatory standards and guidance documents that apply to the healthcare industry in order to contribute as a critical member of a device development team. And over the past decade plus, the FDA is focused on the fact that use error is a contributing source to the majority of adverse medical device events. So this focus by the FDA was and still is the driving force for the AAMI and the medical device development community to place emphasis on human factors and device ease of use. And as a result, the HE75, as well as other standards and guidance documents was generated and have continuously been evolving. So in my opinion, there is none more of an important document than the HE75 which is titled Human Factors Engineering Design of Medical Devices. So a little fun fact for you, Matt, the HE75 supplants the HE48, which was written in the mid 80s and was developed by the AMI's Human Factors Committee in cooperation with the FDA. So in essence, the HE75 document provides design guidelines for user interface development of medical devices and is recognized by the FDA as an industry best practice document. So what is the HE75 document providing developers that makes it the FDA's industry best practice? That's a good question. So the the AAMI HE75 guidelines provide a reliable and consistent framework for the methodical integration and study of medical device users during all stages of the product development process. So the HE75 provides the industry detailed human factors engineering and usability input for guidance examples, checklists, and case studies during the development of any medical device. So the outline usability methods are performed on site under actual work scenarios to evaluate, measure, and improve usability for the main purpose of minimizing usability error and maximize an optimum usage ceremony. 
Additionally of value is that the HE75 document also helps developers identify use of the best practices so that they can provide regulators with evidence that a human factors design process has been adopted and can support a device or system's usability and safety while making the development cycle more efficient. Well, understood. So, Greg, can you outline to the listeners how MIDI uses the HE75 within its development programs? Sure, Matt. So, MIDI incorporates the HE75 best practices within our quality management system. And by doing so, MIDI ensures that our clients' medical device programs consider all applicable human factors and usability criteria that impact user performance, comfort, safety, efficiency, and human error while providing the necessary design history file documentation required by the FDA. So the HE75 is a useful guidance tool for all stages of medical device development cycle. And in the design input stage, it can be used to narrow design requirements by identifying the HE75 sections that apply to the human interface design aspects of a device and to also apply the general and specific considerations contained within those sections. So the testing and evaluation methods sections can be used to plan interface evaluations that can perform and inform the design team early about challenges with user interaction as related to design inputs, as well as help with summative studies applicable to design validation. So during MIDI's design verification phase, our process becomes a way of documenting that the device was built following best practices for human interface parameters. And MIDI and our clients can point to the criteria we use to design and build the device correctly. So I wanna point out that although the HE75's page count might seem very intimidating, it's not designed to be read and followed cover to cover. So the HE75 is a set of design guidance principles rather than a pure process standard that must be followed every step of the way. As I'm listening to you describe the HE75, it has become evident to me that it's a very important guideline document for medical device developers. Now, this does raise a question. What's that, Matt? Well, MIDI is an approved vendor for many companies from startups to Fortune 500 organizations. That's correct. So your company develops many different medical devices and medical device types for various clients. The usability and human factors engineering challenges must be very unique and diverse between all of the client programs. Is that correct? Yes, whether wearable or handheld, surgical or diagnostic equipment, whether it's disposables or imaging equipment, as well as their digital interfaces, the usability and HFE challenges can vary quite a bit. That's a wide array. So, Greg, my, my question is, how does MIDI apply the HE75 guidance and methods effectively between so many different clients and the various types of medical device applications? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question, Matt. So the HE75 scope includes all classes and all types of medical device applications by focusing in on anything that impacts usability and safety. So Matt, your question focuses on the physical device itself, but please keep in mind that the applications of human factors engineering 
extends beyond the physical device design and must effectively include all digital interfaces. So as we all know, many medical devices have displays, graphical user interfaces, support mobile apps, and are IoT connected, including cloud-based portal software. Additionally, as developers, we must consider packaging and medical disposables, as well as the device for optimum usability. So at MIDI, our multidiscipline teams of specialists in human factors, usability research, industrial design, and engineering addresses the pre, during, and post-usability aspects of medical devices based on standards and guidance documents, including the HE75. A typical development program involving usability research is supported by a multi-phase HE75 guidance process of research, development, and testing, including generative and evaluative usability research methods. Now, can you give us an overview of those research methods? Sure, Matt. I will start with generative research methods. So generative research methods are used by MIDI's usability researchers to develop a deeper understanding of the user groups of a medical device or system for the identification of solutions and innovation opportunities. So when we're conducting conducting generative research, the most important aspect to remember is to keep an open mind. Most of the time, you don't actually know what problems you're trying to solve yet. MIDI doesn't develop the best medical device solutions by just doing lots of later stage evaluative research and refining a design. We develop the best solution by properly identifying the challenges first with generative research of which then is followed by evaluative methods. So at MIDI, we conduct this generative research using development DNA methods outlined in our QMS. And as we observe and collect usability data and insights, we start revealing our end users' behaviors, their needs, their wants, and opinions. So looking at generative research methods may include things like contextual immersion, voice of the customer research, workflow mapping, and diary studies. You mentioned evaluative research. Can you tell us a bit more on that method? Sure, Matt. So evaluation research, also referred as evaluative research, can be defined as a research method used for the assessment of a medical device designed to ensure usability and ground its design in the wants needs and desires of its end users. When using an evaluative research methodology, this allows MIDI to test a proposed device design to rapidly and effectively generate and evaluate and mature device solutions leading to validation. So MIDI conducts this type of research throughout the development lifecycle from early concept all the way through to final device release. And our in-house research design engineering and prototyping teams generate things like storyboards and simulations and mock-ups and models for this type of research. All of this leads to higher fidelity prototypes for the express purpose of building confidence and evaluating safe and effective device solutions. So within our organization, we implement evaluative research methods guided by our development DNA process and governed by our QMS. And then ultimately these methods can inc 
include things like formative usability research studies, summative usability research studies, and validation. Okay, now that you gave us that overview, are you able to dive deeper into the specifics of the research methods? Yes, Matt. Formative research studies are used to test concept designs with targeted end users to assist in down-selecting to a final design direction. And summative research studies, validation studies, are for testing your final design using high-fidelity functional prototypes with targeted end users. So now let me dive into generative research study details. So generative research studies are, are a valuable step in the early stage product development process effort. So this again allows us to gain deep insight into the user's behaviors, needs, wants, struggles, and identify how they may be better served with a newly developed medical device. So generative research method informs and shapes the conceptual design process by uncovering tangible information of which identifies root cause of behavior and potential use errors. So the discovery become human factors engineering opportunities. And we'll begin the definition of the metric by which our teams will test and measure designs in subsequent program phases. So just talking about different methods relative to generative research, they can include things like contextual immersion and voice of the customer research. So those methods are MIDI's way of engaging users in their natural environment, whether it be in a clinic or an office or the home or the hospital. And in this beginning stage, it often involves both on-site observational research and documentation, as well as one-on-one -on -one and group interviews to clarify MIDI's observations. So having MIDI's research teams on-site and observing and documenting these users allows us to uncover and discover what is actually being done as opposed to what the user believes they're doing. Just to move on to another generative method, I'll talk about workflow mapping. So workflow mapping allows our MIDI team to identify and capture a complete view of the user's macro and micro workflow steps to gain a comprehensive understanding of the device's tasks or process. So MIDI then uses the captured data to generate a device workflow map. So this map will ultimately shape and inform the design process by identifying root causes of behavior, user error, as well as identifying metrics to be used for the generation of a safe, effective, and efficient medical device application. Also, another method uh, is diary studies which are MIDI's method of longitudinal qualitative user research where users self-report their workflow activities and thoughts. So a longitudinal method of research means that the user data captured takes place over time. So therefore, it's considered an asynchronous qualitative research methodology. So in other words, the users are repetitively self-documenting their own workflow within their everyday context over a period of days. So one tool that we use for qualitative remote user research and user interface diary studies is an app and a cloud-based platform offered by a company called Indemo. Using Indemo, the recruited end user participants for our clients program research keep a video diary of their workflow recording how they behave in the moment and over time. 
So these recordings can be a compilation of repetitive tasks captured with photos, videos, or screen recordings. And also the benefits of using Indemo is that the data capture is highly contextual and is occurring in the user's everyday context. The information captured is very rich and raw, thereby giving MIDI a periscope view into the workflow details of the user's everyday work life. So additional benefits of diary studies are that the data captured is not post-rationalized. And users are showing MIDI what they're doing in the moment so that what we capture is what's actually happening. And as a result, the data captured can be very authentic for spotting user workflow, rituals, and routines. So thinking about it, the advantage of this method is that unlike a traditional 90-minute in-person interview, we can discover and capture repetitive behaviors over time. And the Indemo technology tied to the diary studies method enables MIDI's team to carry out you should ceremony and workflow data capture remotely anywhere in any medical market from any global location. And also keep in note the Indemo remote user research software is ISO 27001 as well as HIPAA certified and GDPR compliant. Okay, now that you discuss generative methods, can you dive into the specifics of the evaluative research methods? Glad to, Matt. So early in the usability and device design process, various insights can be discovered and uncovered using generative research methods. So opportunities are revealed to the development team for effective usability and HFE design applications for a medical device. So evaluative research methods now plays its role after generative. So evaluative research affords MIDI our framework to test our concept applications using a variety of methods. So we use different generative methods throughout the development process and we perform usability testing and studies to inform and generate insights for the device and systems definition development as part of our development DNA HFE quality process. So throughout the various types of usability research methods, we foster a continuous quality feedback loop between MIDI's researchers, designers, and engineers for continuous device design evolution. And our in-house research design prototyping and testing capabilities result in an advanced human factors that yield next step solutions for user performance, comfort, safety, efficiency, and reduction of human error while providing the necessary design history file documentation required by the FDA. So MIDI's evaluative research methods for medical device development can include things like formative usability research. So MIDI's formative usability research studies center on evaluating concept designs with target users to identify strengths weaknesses, and potential use case errors that may occur while using the medical device. Our formative usability methods allow us to measure, study, and inform various aspects of usability and identify refinement opportunities to be incorporated before the device design is finalized. So ultimately, our formative testing is typically conducted with target user groups using device simulations along with a combination of prototypes and storyboards to evaluate device design and features. 
So our testing gives the development team the advantage of saving the client significant time and mitigates risk before final prototype creation. So our formative evaluation methods resources of the AMI HE75 HFE designed for medical devices include Clause 9 under usability testing, which provides an excellent guide to the types of formative evaluations that are useful in device development, such as cognitive walkthroughs, heuristic evaluations, and walkthrough, talkthrough usability tests. Also, there's the Annex D of the IEC 62366, which also provides descriptions of these formative techniques. So formative testing for each client's effort can be different. And this can include both qualitative observations and assessments and quantitative analysis of task performance and subjective feedback among concepts across a series of formative tests. So it's common to conduct multiple formative research studies as a continuous quality feedback loop throughout a medical device program. Another generative method MIDI performs is summative usability testing. So this is tied to human factors validation and after design finalization transfer into design controls. So here we conduct usability testing with specific end user groups, leveraging the collected data points established within our previous formative research studies. So here testing is performed to demonstrate that the medical device can be utilized by its intended users for its intended use safely and effectively. So that research method must support the summative usability protocol and test metrics established in the prior formative research study. Here, the user group takes the device and performs critical tasks that could lead to medical harm in a representative use environment. And any use case errors or close calls are observed and documented for their root cause. And the information is then leveraged into our risk management process for analysis, evaluation, and control. Greg, you mentioned summative testing and usability testing. How do they differ from one another? That's a good question, Matt. So there are several important differences in test methodology regarding summative simulation use tests compared to other usability evaluations, such as formative tests. So... First off, a summative test is not meant to be an exploratory exercise in discovering inputs on device design features, but rather serve as a final demonstration of use and user safety of a device. So subsequently, the test participants are not subject to questions or interruptions or corrections during the usage ceremony and device training should be given to the participants and be representative of real-world conditions, and this can be accomplished with training sessions prior to testing. But it's also acceptable to have the participant training with dwell intervals to simulate potential real-world cognitive memory workload scenarios. So also another aspect to consider is instructions for the device under this testing use should be available during testing, but not a requirement for the participant to read prior to usage. Also, the end users are to engage in use scenarios of which mirror the usage ceremony of a typical device interaction. 
And these usage ceremonies should include all high-risk categories. The user performance on each scenario, task, or step should be observed and categorized with respect to failure or success, as well as successes with difficulties, such as hesitation or self-correction of action and potential confusion. So these instances, along with failures, should be noted for future post-test analysis. And post-summative testing reviews should be conducted for the identification and cause definition of any failures and or difficulties that the participant experienced with the device or system. So this may include error, incorrect use, and post-review discussions or experience task difficulties. So summative testing should result ultimately in the development team's consensus with regards to device use safety. And the team's conclusions should not be based on meeting predefined qualitative goals, but on whether there is a remaining pattern of use-related issues that directly correlate to the device design or accompanying documentation like labeling or instructions. Well, Greg, that was, that was a great overview. Since this is the last podcast in this series, can you give me and the listeners some inspiring thoughts for our series conclusion? Yeah, well, Matt, I feel the future of healthcare will be shaped by a complex set of converging forces, which will be fueled by things like technology, the patients themselves, healthcare professionals, legislation, as well as the marketplace. So it's my belief that these converging forces will cause monumental shifts in how healthcare will be provided and delivered. So usability research and human factors engineering teams like the one at MIDI's needs to really be ready to apply our knowledge, our methods, our experience and expertise to help our medical device clients effectively and efficiently develop their new healthcare technologies and devices and system applications so that patients end up receiving the best and safest as well as the most effective healthcare possible. So in looking forward, really usability research and HFE rigor has given the healthcare industry better devices. It's helped root out underperforming devices and illuminated insight into how behavior can impact our environment among other critical safety issues. So the future lies with regulators, standards and guidance organizations, as well as the human factors professionals to properly use and continuously improve our industry's usability research and HFE methods in order to create a guiding path to finding greater systematic solutions for the evolving medical market challenges, as well as patient safety. Thank you so much for the time you've spent with us during this series. Thank you, Matt. 